Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. So this is one of my favorite cross-disciplinary topics. We're talking about infant feeding today. You know, speech does this a lot. OT does this a lot. So it's a great opportunity for speech and OT to collaborate. But it's just a good time to talk about feeding babies. So first, before we even get into anything about feeding babies, let me just go for the record right now. I'm a big fan of breastfeeding, and I think if you can breastfeed your baby, you should try it and give it a try if you're interested in that. If you're not, it's not the end of the world, and there's plenty of adults and and people walking around out there who are not breastfed and are fully functioning, happy, intelligent, smart people, so it is not the end of the world if you can't. But it's a good option to try because it is, people say, oh, it's so natural. Well, it is natural, but let me just also say to start with, it is really hard. Like, it is so hard. I have breastfed four children because I have four children, and, and I did breastfeeding, and some were a lot more successful than others, and I'll give you some of those stories in just a second. But I've also worked with a ton of moms and their babies with breastfeeding, and I've worked a ton, with a ton of moms and babies with bottle feeding. But let me just go on record and saying it first. Breastfeeding is not easy at the beginning. It is not easy. My first baby, he was born and he was the easiest one to breastfeed. Thank goodness of the four. He was the very easiest and he just sort of got it and we got it very quickly and it was wonderful and all that. We just coordinated well. It worked out great. However, it hurt so bad for like the first two weeks. It hurt like the devil. I've never been stabbed before, but I think it might have been, it may be easier to be stabbed than breastfeeding at first. It hurt so bad, but and he was good at it, right? Then my second child, it was terrible. It was horrible. It was so difficult. The poor little dude was just had horrible reflux. We could never get coordinated. Um, and he just, he was only happy if I was holding him all night long. The first year of his life, we never even saw the bed. I didn't see the bed. I never slept in a bed. I just slept in a chair holding him most of the night, which again, probably so much wrong with that, but that's just what I had to do to survive. So it's not necessarily always the easiest thing. So the first thing to say is for moms who are breastfeeding their babies, and it's the very beginning, it is hard, right? And so a lot of times a recommendation for a baby with breastfeeding is to have the frenulum clipped because if the baby isn't able to breastfeed or to latch on or it hurts or they pinch or whatever it is, a lot of times a recommendation is to have the baby's frenulum clipped. So I want to go on a record right now saying don't do that. I mean, there are babies out there in the world who have a tight frenulum, but I'm getting ready to in this podcast explain to you why you just want to hit the pause button besides going right and get the baby's frenulum clipped. See a speech therapist, see an occupational therapist who has worked with moms and babies with breastfeeding and bottle feeding before you clip the frenulum. So a lot of times moms who are breastfeeding their baby, and this happened with me, with my second son, with my second child, and really again with my third child, after I'd had a very, very successful first child experience of breastfeeding, right? First child comes out, he's breastfeeding, it's easy. I'm like, oh man, this is easy, nothing to this. Second child comes along, wow, it is like the opposite of easy. It rocked my world. And there is tons of guilt that can happen because if you think about it, what is the mom's most important job for their baby? It is to feed their baby. They've been working nine months to help create this ha- you know, healthy baby and all this kind of stuff. You watch what you put in your mouth and all you watch where what you breathe in, where you go and everything. And now the baby's here. So your most important job of the mom is to feed that baby. So if 
if this mother can't breastfeed, and I've been there, done that, or not can't breastfeed, but it's just really hard and difficult for all kinds of factors, there can be a lot of guilt associated with that. So the, I think the first thing to do is to think about when you're treating the baby and helping with the breastfeeding and all that is to also think about the mom and treating the mom and letting them know that if you're not able to breastfeed, it is not the end of the world. There are plenty of adults out here, plenty of us who are never breastfed and we are functioning and happy and healthy. And my second child is, he was breastfed a little bit, but bottle fed mostly and he is fine. Moms just have to maybe be reassured. It's not the end of the world if you're not breastfeeding, you know? This baby has to eat. You're, you're a very successful mom by feeding this baby, and however that may look for them, that is perfectly fine and normal. It is okay if you're not breastfeeding your baby. I was told once for my third child, and she was not, I just couldn't get the breastfeeding thing working great for the second or the third child. The first and the fourth I did, second, third, not so much. But I was once told, now, when I had my third child, I had two other ones already at home and they were both under the age of five and then I have a brand new baby breastfeeding thing wasn't working out great and so I was told by someone to do a baby moon now a baby moon was where I would go to bed with this brand new newborn for a total of five days and the newborn and I would just stay in the bed for five days and whenever she was hungry she would eat and when she wasn't she would sleep and I would sleep and that kind of thing well that is great idea <laughs> but in reality I've got two other people that sort of kind of need things and they're less than five and so they weren't really independent yet in terms of like food and, and really anything else in their life so that's just not a practical solution right and so this individual that told me oh you know you should really just do this baby moon and your husband needs to understand what you're going through and but I'm like but he needs to go to work so that he can continue so we can continue to buy food to feed these other people that we have so that's just not going to work and at that point I'm like you know what she's going to be fine with the bottle and I was done with breastfeeding moving on to bottle feeding she's also fine healthy happy walking around and doing fine so I think sometimes you just got to ease the mom's guilt feelings so in that story there's a lot of shouldas your husband should make it so that you can do that you should go to bed and stay with your baby for five days it should make it out so that your life should work out so that you can breastfeed and do that well all that shouldas is a lot of guilt right associated with that so let's focus on the positive things which is okay I'm being a mom to these other two kids a mom to the brand new baby Let's give this brand new baby a bottle and she is happy and healthy and sleeping and eating and growing and that's what we're going to do and we're going to make sure she can be the best bottle feeder she possibly can be because that seems to be what's working for this family. So take the shoulds out and let's let her do what she's going to do. So now let's talk about the frenulum. So what is the frenulum? So the frenulum can be a narrow or a thick band of tissue that's underneath the tongue, right? So if you lift your tongue up, you kind of see that band of tissue there that is holding your tongue to the bottom of your mouth. Well, sometimes the people will consider the frenulum or that piece of, of tissue underneath the tongue tight if it attaches too close to the tip of the tongue. So if the frenulum attaches very uh, close to the front of the tongue, then that can be considered a tongue tie. And so a lot of times if babies are having trouble with breastfeeding at first or bottle feeding potentially, especially breastfeeding though, the recommendation can be to get the tongue tie clipped because some people think, well, there may be a tight frenulum and you need to clip that tongue. However, oftentimes that's not has no, nothing to do with breastfeeding and it's not going to cause your baby to eat better or eat 
worse because you're clipping the tongue. You're kind of introducing a whole other set of issues. So here's how a baby eats. Here's I want to go through the anatomy and physiology of the mouth, including the lips, the tongue, the cheeks, and the jaw, and how the anatomy works for nippling, for bottle drinking, for breastfeeding, right? And then and explain why the frenulum and this type of situation is not clipping. It's not going to help anything. So the most important parts of the anatomy when bottle feeding are the tongue and the jaw. The lips are passive. They're just on the nipple. That's it. They're just on the nipple. You shouldn't see a lot of tension around the mouth. You shouldn't see like the, the lips really tight or pursed or anything. You also shouldn't see the lips really slack. Like there shouldn't be milk or anything that's flowing out of the baby's mouth. They should just be passively on the nipple. The key word in that is passive, but they are on the nipple, but they're not doing anything except for just creating a seal, you know, around the nipple. And the cheeks are really doing the same thing. The reason the babies have those fat pads and why sometimes bottle breastfeeding can be really hard for a newborn infant or for a preemie is because they don't have the fat pads, but the fat pads help to anchor those lips and provide an anchor and stability for the jaw and for the tongue. The fat pads are really important. They also take up a lot of space in the mouth. So there's really only space for the nipple. So then the tongue can do what it's supposed to do, which is to create a central groove around that nipple. So then the nipple goes in the mouth and the tongue curls up around the nipple. Now, some babies who have like a bilateral cleft palate or a unilateral cleft palate um, or bilateral or unilateral cleft lip and palate, that, you know, central groove around the tongue can happen, but it's harder because they can't get that seal. More about that in just a second. So the tongue curls up around the nipple. So it creates a central groove. And so that it kind of looks like a trough or a canoe, you know, but basically the sides of the tongue are up around the, the nipple. Interesting fact, this is helping create sort of a pattern for the R later. Speech therapist out there can appreciate that, but that's just like a little sidebar. Okay, so the next thing that's happening is the jaw. So the jaw and the tongue work together. Remember, the cheeks are creating a stability or the creating some stability for that tongue and that jaw. So tongues around the nipple, central groove, the jaw and the tongue work together. So the jaw closes and when the jaw closes a little bit now I'm not like saying like chomps down you know because if they're chomping down on the breast number one that's super painful and number two that's you don't want them to chomp down either but anyway but it just closes slightly when it closes slightly the tongue comes up and it, the tongue goes up towards the alveolar ridge now it's on the bottom of the nipple right so it's not going to touch the alveolar ridge because the nipple's in the way it can't do that but it's going to go up towards the alve alveolar ridge this is positive pressure jaw up, tongue up, more of in a closed position, creating positive pressure on the nipple. The jaw drops, tongue drops with it. These things move together, tongue and jaw together. Drops down a little bit, it creates negative pressure. That's why a baby with a cleft lip and palate, or really cleft palate, I've seen cleft babies with a cleft lip get this, but it's harder. But babies with a cleft palate, it's hard for them to breastfeed or bottle feed with a regular like straight nipple because they can't create that positive pressure, right? Because they have a hole in the top of their mouth. But so first off, nipple in the mouth, tongue, central groove, the tongue and jaw move together. Tongue goes up, jaw goes up together. The tongue is going toward the alveolar ridge, but not touching it because the nipple's in the way. That's creating positive pressure. Then the tongue and the jaw, the jaw drops down slightly, tongue drops down slightly with it, and the tongue goes back a little bit, negative pressure. Positive pressure, negative pressure. Positive pressure, negative pressure. That's how a baby eats. The frenulum and the tongue, since it's working with the jaw, the frenulum doesn't have to be clipped because 
It doesn't matter if the clip frenulum is tight or the frenulum is not tight enough or anything about the frenulum because the tongue doesn't move separate from the jaw. It, it doesn't move. It moves with the jaw. Jaw and tongue up, jaw and tongue down. The tongue goes back slightly, but this jaw is still there and the frenulum is not going to prevent the tongue from moving up a little bit or back a little bit, up a little bit or back a little bit. So clipping the frenulum doesn't help a baby eat better. So I am saying before, so the point of this whole podcast is that number one, breastfeeding is really hard and it's supposed to be natural. And when you get it, it is awesome because you don't have to pack a bottle. You just got your diaper bag and you rock and roll. Beautiful thing after like the first little bit, because it's ridiculously hard at the beginning. Even if the baby and the mom are great at it, it's ridiculously hard at the beginning. Even for my two that were really just good at it. It was so hard at the very beginning. And I'm talking like the first couple of weeks. We've, it took us a while to get it. So it's great once you get it, but it's so hard. So just because it's really hard at the beginning, don't immediately clip that frenulum. See a speech therapist or an occupational therapist who have experience with babies who are feeding before you clip the tongue because the frenulum's not doing anything. Tongue and jaw move up, positive pressure. Tongue and jaw move, the jaw moves down. Jaw, tongue moves back a little bit negative pressure. The tongue stays in a central groove the whole time. If you hear the baby going like breaking the seal with their lips, you need to support that jaw because their jaw shouldn't be moving that much. It's moving too wide. No, it's very, uh, the baby's pretty quiet. That's how they get more efficient, better, that kind of thing. The lips aren't doing anything. They don't need to do anything. They're just actively on the nipple. The cheeks are providing that support you know, extra support. That's why preemies sometimes need for you to provide them a little bit of jaw support and maybe a little bit of cheek support because they don't have those fat pads yet, especially the very beginning. They can get them, but they don't have them yet. So they need a little bit of extra help. Interesting fact and in how, so think about it. Why do babies create, uh, usually at the beginning say like da, 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 da. Most dads think, and I let my husband think this, da, 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 because, oh, you know, he loves me the best. She loves me the best. They're saying da, da, da. They've been practicing that movement like a ton, bazillion times a day <laughs> with, with bottle feeding. So the first sound they're going to do is da, 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 because if you think about the ah, da, or the ah, da, the jaw and the mouth are open. And then the duh is up. So it's just exactly that same bottle movement and nippling movement they've been doing. Tongue and jaw up, duh, because the tongue goes up to the alveolar ridge and then they drop it down, you know, ah, for the da, da, da. So that's how they end up doing the da, da, da first. And a lot of times babies, when they're first saying sounds, they also do uh, the guh, 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 because the part of that negative pressure, tongue moves back a little bit, back in the mouth. They've been used to that movement anyway. So... When there's not a nipple in the mouth, they're moving that tongue back a little bit for guh, guh, guh. And they're also doing the, you know, the same guh, 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 because they're opening their jaw wide, right? So they're not doing gee, 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 or goo, 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 really. They're just doing guh, 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 da, 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 because their jaw is going up, down, up, down. Think about the vowel sound. D, G, D, G. That's the same thing as positive pressure, negative pressure. Positive pressure, D, negative pressure, G. But you still let the dads think that they're saying dad, 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 and they love them the best. But so the frenulum, and in all my years of experience, I can tell you how many, on one hand, how many babies I recommend or children I recommend to have their frenulum clipped. I'm just um, saying at first, it's just something to consider. Like work on the breastfeeding, work on the positioning. A lot of times babies at first may be holding their tongue back in their mouth. So you got to work on an open mouth posture. That can sometimes be correct, cor uh, corrected or helped a little bit with different positioning, like a football hold, for example. With a football hold, the mom and a big chair with big arms and a boppy 
around her or a pillow around her can lay the baby on the pillow and then you can open the jaw so because if the baby's on the pillow and the football hold then you've got one hand to help really with breastfeeding to get the nipple further in the baby's mouth and another hand to sort of open that jaw wider a lot of times you just got to open the mouth a little bit more get that tongue down and forward to really get down on uh, really get underneath the nipple nipple fully in the mouth so that they can really start to get that positive negative pressure there's sometimes people experience a lot of pinching and pain and really it's because the tongue is not underneath the nipple fully or their nipple is not far enough or enough nip part of the nipple is in the mouth right so you got to work on getting that so if there's a lot of pinching and pain that can all be associated with maybe just that versus the frenulum being clipped so I hope this was helpful to people listening out there. Basically, the moral of the story is check in with a speech therapist, check in with an OT before you get that frenulum clipped. And hey, you know what? Breastfeeding is hard, people. It's just hard. You know what? The first three months of a baby's life is not for wimps. Let me just tell you, it's on. It's on. The first three months, nobody's sleeping, nobody's showering. It's just crazy up in there. All kinds of wild stuff happening. So give yourself a break. Give your patients a break. Support them best you can and try the most natural approach first or the most natural way, which is not immediate surgery and clipping the tongue before you go to such an invasive route. Try a least invasive method first. Okay, thank you for listening, and I'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com.